Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Recently, Australia's Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek greenlit a new coal mine in central Queensland, the first one to be approved under the new Labor government. While we knew the previous coalition government were supporters of coal and gas, there was a sense that the Labor Party felt differently, that they had a stronger view on protecting our environment and transitioning us away from fossil fuels. So how is it, with all the knowledge we now have around the impacts of coal and its role in global warming, in 2023, we're still approving new coal mines. Today, we find out what went down in Isaac River and why the Environment Minister said yes when the majority of Australians say no. But first, news headlines for Tuesday, May 23. Portuguese police are planning to search a dam near where Madeleine McCann went missing in 2007 in the first formal development in the case in several years. A fire brigade spokesperson said they would begin searching the dam in the southern region of Algarve on Tuesday, 50 kilometres from the beach resort where the three-year-old disappeared while on holiday with her family. A source telling journalists that the search was being done at the request of German authorities, who last year formally identified German man Christian Brockner as a suspect in the case. German police said in 2020 that Madeleine was presumed dead and that Bruckner was likely responsible. Bruckner has denied any involvement in the child's disappearance and has yet to be charged with any crimes relating to it. Now former ABC Q&A host Stan Grant has sent a message to his haters as he farewelled the audience of the show last night. Grant advised he would be stepping away from the program after copping intense backlash over pointing out that the Crown still represented the invasion and theft of Aboriginal land during the coverage of King Charles's coronation. Hateful messages and commentary that he says his employer did not actively work to stamp out or support him through. Grant apologised during the emotional final appearance on the show, saying to those who have abused him and his family, he would say if your aim was to hurt him, they've been successful, and that he's sorry he must have given them so much cause to hate him. Opposition leader Peter Dutton has been accused of spreading false information and using scare tactics as he actively campaigns for the no camp on the voice to parliament. Mr Dutton delivered a speech yesterday where he claimed the proposed Indigenous voice to parliament will take Australia backwards, labelling it a reckless roll of the dice and an overcorrection that will have an Orwellian effect where all Australians are equal but some Australians are more equal than others. Federal Indigenous Australians Minister Linda Burney says the opposition leader is spreading misinformation, saying the constitutional change and voice to parliament are not a plaything of politicians, but a decision the Australian people will make. 
A new report into homelessness in Australia has found the number of people forced to sleep rough has surged. A safe place to call home, Mission Australia's Homelessness and Stable Housing Impact Report, found there's been a 26% increase in demand for homelessness services in the past three years, with soaring rents, a shortage of affordable housing and a slowing construction sector resulting in demand for those seeking help to keep a roof over their heads, jumping to levels not seen before. The charity is calling on the government at both the state and federal level to act in the face of what it's calling the worst housing crisis the country has seen. The woman who underwent Australia's first womb transplant has announced that she's pregnant. Kirsty Bryant underwent the 16-hour surgery to have her mum's womb implanted into her after she lost hers in a traumatic birth experience delivering her first child. Kirsty announcing that she's now seven weeks pregnant, saying it's so wonderful that her body can do this and that her mum was able to give her this gift. Kirsty will be closely monitored, her pregnancy considered high risk, her doctors having to reduce the anti-rejection medication to safer levels and watch the progress of the pregnancy closely. With no nerves attached to the womb, she won't be able to feel any contractions. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. escaped convict was the first person to discover coal here in Australia, just three years after the first fleet arrived on our shores. William Bryant was his name, and over the next few years, he would establish the first ever coal mining settlement at the mouth of the Hunter River near Newcastle in New South Wales. Two years later, in 1793, coal was also found at South Cape in Tasmania. 32 years after that, at Wonthaggy in Victoria... And in 1824, the fossil fuel was found in deposits across Ipswich in Queensland. It would later be discovered at Irwin River in WA and Lee Creek in South Australia. We started exporting coal in 1801, 150 tonnes of it sent to India on that first ever shipment. The growing steel industry in the 1860s saw the search for coal ramp up significantly before the Depression put a halt to exploration in the 1930s. But after World War II in the 1940s and 50s, the search for coal again became important to the local economy and interest in coal as an energy form grew. Today, black coal is mined across every Australian state and territory except for the NT, with the majority of those mines owned by private companies. As of 2020, there were 91 operating black coal mines and three brown coal mines with more than 200 known local deposits across Australia. The majority of those are situated in New South Wales and Queensland, who together make up 90% of Australia's coal production in 2021-22, producing 422 million tonnes of coal. We export 90% of it. In fact, we are the third largest exporter of fossil fuels in the world. It's no secret the previous government backed coal mining projects. This is critical to Australia's future. Absolutely critical to Australia's future. And we'll keep on mining. We will keep mining the resources that we're able to sell on the world market. Our former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, was the MP who in 2017 took a lump of coal onto the floor of Parliament House when he was Treasurer. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't treasurer, be scared. Don't the Treasurer you. knows the rule on crops. It's coal. It was dug up by men and women who work and live in the electorates of those who sit opposite. 
former Environment Minister in the Morrison government, Susan Lay, approved three coal mine projects in a matter of weeks in 2021. Despite the vast majority of Australians telling the Climate Institute's National Climate of the Nation survey that they were frustrated by the government's lack of leadership on clean energy. The expansion of the Mangula mine near Musselbrook in the New South Wales Hunter Valley was met with fierce opposition, even from the local council who had, up until that point, backed the mining giant Glencore in the region. Musselbrook resident and local cattle farmer Margot White said the decision to expand comes at a great cost to the community, that the money sometimes isn't worth it. We're about to dig up more dirt and, and dig up more tonnes of coal for many more years. We just can't be doing it anymore for the climate. I think the bell has sounded and it is time for the coal industries to start transitioning out of it. She went on to say that she's concerned that the expansion doesn't help the region diversify in preparation for when the mine does eventually close, saying as a grandmother, she wants to make it better for future generations and leave something for them, like clean water, intact farmland and better job opportunities. The pleas from the community fell on deaf ears and the expansion was greenlit along with two others, agreeing to the expansion of both the Vickery mine near Gunnedah and the underground mine at the Russellvale Colliery near Wollongong. Susan Lay's office explained that she had approved them in accordance with the national environment laws. Those approvals came just weeks before the UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, COP26, a meeting that then Prime Minister Scott Morrison made clear he wasn't keen on attending despite many billing it as the final chance for the world to come together and actually make some progress on facing down climate change. The then-PM went into the talks with an agreement Australia would reach net zero emissions by 2050, despite many other countries committing to net zero by 2030. Then, the coalition lost the 2022 federal election, an outcome that many said hinged on the fact that Australians care about climate change and wanted to see more action a sentiment reflected in the number of Greens and Teal Independent candidates who won their seats. The new Labor government promised to reduce emissions by 43% by 2030, keeping the country on track for net zero by 2050. They promised to work with large business to provide greater transparency on climate-related risks and opportunities, promising to make major investment in cleaner, cheaper energy. Experts predicted that businesses who mine coal or generate electricity would be impacted by these policies. But just over a week ago, the Labor government approved its first new coal mine since taking power, approving the Bowen-Coking Isaac River mine in Queensland to extract metallurgical coal over a five-year period. Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek had just a week before cancelled two applications for other coal mines in Queensland and in February decided not to approve Clive Palmer's mine in central Queensland. I'd say on this decision, the minister has decided not to approve that mine because it posed unacceptable risks to the Great Barrier Reef. That's Labor Senator Nita Green speaking on the ABC. Minister Plibersek had told a National Press Club address that while her government was committed to their emissions targets, there has to be space for business too. We measure what matters in our economy in addition to all of the traditional measures, not instead of, but in addition to. Because this is not a conflict between jobs and the environment. Greens leader Adam Bant told the ABC's Insiders program that the commitment to emissions targets become null and void if they greenlight more coal mines. 
Now, you don't put the fire out while you're pouring petrol on it. So do we have the ability to halt all new coal mine projects at this point? Would Australia's economy handle it? Or are we putting too much faith in a government to do the right thing by the environment when they have to make money too? John Quiggin is an Australian economist, a professor at the University of Queensland and a former member of the Climate Change Authority of the Australian Government. John, the green lighting of a new coal mine by this Labor government... I think took many of us by surprise, I guess because we thought when they were elected they were different to their predecessors in this area. Did we maybe just trick ourselves into thinking that would be the case? Well, certainly I think a lot of people hoped for more difference than we've seen. They're a little bit better than the coalition in terms of policies regarding domestic emissions, coal and oil and gas burned in Australia, but they've taken the view as regards anything for export that as long as people are willing to buy it, we're willing to sell it. Right. So when it comes to this particular mine, this Isaac River mine, we heard from people who didn't want it to go ahead that it was going to damage the local climate, so the wildlife and water quality. Mm -hmm. Is it then not a consideration for when it would actually impact the climate as a whole uh, beyond just the local environment? Well, that's correct. That Under the Act under which the Minister approves these things, uh, she has to look at those local effects and obviously has decided that they're not sufficient to justify refusing permission for the mine, which she did refuse for Clive Palmer's mine a while ago. But there's been no consideration of overall effects on the climate. In the course of the negotiations about Labor's climate target, the Greens tried to insert so-called climate trigger, which would have made that automatically a consideration. It wasn't clear until now whether it would be given any weight at all. But the answer from the Minister is, as far as the effect on the global climate goes, that's not a concern. Just how much of our economy is still reliant on coal? Well, uh, domestically, where we're using less and less of it to generate power, but it's still relevant and it is used in other contexts. It's also a significant source of export income, but a lot of that income, of course, goes to the owners of coal mines, who are largely foreign corporations. Employment in coal mining is much smaller than is often thought. So it's a significant part of the economy, but scarcely central. Can we talk about this new mine for a moment? I've been reading that it is different to the coal mines that we think of that power our electricity, that this is metallurgical coal. What's the difference? So that's correct. So there's two main uses for coal. One is burning it, typically generate electricity, but it can be in some other contexts. The other is in blast furnaces for steel, and that's metallurgical coal. And Australia's a big exporter of metallurgical coal. It's about half our total exports, but a significantly larger share by volume because it's more valuable. So in an important sense, if you're going to approve any coal mines, this will be the one where it's still developing at a global level alternatives to metallurgical coal. So there's more of a case for allowing this mine through. What's notable, though, is that when this mine approval was announced, the minister also declined to stop a number of mines that had been put up for review, including thermal coal mines. So we've seen, as well as this decision, decisions on thermal coal mines, not final decisions, but nonetheless the principle that the climate isn't going to be considered for either thermal or metallurgical coal. Well, can we talk about how the Environment Minister has handled this announcement? Because there's some concerns around the rejection of a couple of mines in the lead-up to this announcement and when this announcement was actually made. How do you think Tanya Plibersek has actually handled this? 
Well, certainly in a very political way. We got a big announcement about the rejection of two coal mines, the principal being they hadn't done their paperwork, and the reason they hadn't done their paperwork is because they'd long since given up on these proposals. The most notable is the China Stone Mine. It's near the famous Indani Mine in the Galilee Basin. The proponents gave up on that four or five years ago. They moved to an office in Darwin. That office isn't even Atriot's phone anymore. So effectively, this proposal was well and truly dead, but its rejection was announced very loudly. The other decision was posted pretty quietly on the department's website late on Thursday evening of the day when Mr Dutton was going to give the budget reply. And as you've mentioned, most of the attention paid on the most defensible part of the decision, the Isaac River Metallurgical Coal Mine. Buried even deeper was the fact that these other thermal coal mines had been allowed to proceed through the approval process and there was going to be no consideration of the climate. So uh, very much, if you weren't paying close attention, you could easily have missed that. Of course, people did pick it up and it's become news, but very much the kind of trumpeting the good news and bearing the bad news that I guess we expect from politicians. And how has she defended the decision to greenlight this mine? Well, as far as I know, she hasn't. I mean, that is, she said, uh, she said, well, this is the legal process, but of course, the laws are the laws that the Labor government has chosen to maintain. So I guess she's just said, according to the law, which the government refused to insert a climate trigger, that's the policy and that's how it's been done. Can you tell us a bit more about these other thermal coal mines that are being sort of allowed to be considered? Where are these and would they have a bigger environmental impact? Well, they're in Queensland and New South Wales and they had been proceeding very smoothly through the approval process under the previous government. The Environment Council of Central Queensland took legal action saying some aspects hadn't been considered properly and that meant that um, Minister Plibersek had to reconsider them. Having reconsidered, she decided to wave them on. The most notable is the Mount Pleasant coal mine in New South Wales, I think. A very large thermal coal mine which will have a potentially a huge impact on the global environment. The Labor government still has more than 20 applications for new coal mine projects to consider, a nearly equal split between extensions of existing mines and what they call greenfield coal mines, where they'll be digging in a new spot. Despite claims their approval will be inconsistent with the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement, some of these mines can also be greenlit, as long as they adhere to the national laws surrounding their environmental impacts, not that the coal that they dig up will be burned and create emissions elsewhere. So what can we economically handle? We know we can't just shut down the mining industry overnight, but what if we started with just not approving new ones? Well, we'd certainly stop approving new coal mines. There's the International Energy Agency has said that's what everyone should do. We shouldn't have any more coal, gas and oil projects. There's enough there already, so we certainly could stop that and should stop that. We should be focusing on the energy transformation, things like lithium, hydrogen and so forth for clean energy, the government wants to have two bob each way on these things. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.